I see Brady's bald head nice and clear, and you're like, mm-hmm. I told him that when I was like, I was like, your screen is blurry, you're blurry as can be. Like I'm watching scrambled pay per view in the '90s. Ooh, I said '80s. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our Film Fathers Podcast, the definitive podcast about fatherhood, film, and fatherhood and film. This is Jelani, and with me as always are two guys who are most welcome in the Steens My Home in Pittsburgh, Martin and Brady. The days move along with regularity, over and over, one day indistinguishable from the next, a long continuous chain. Then suddenly there is a change. Poker is all about waiting. Hours pass. Days pass, hand after hand, each hand like the hand before. Then, something happens. This week, Martin couldn't wait any longer for Jeremy to finally watch what is widely considered to be one of Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro's best works, Taxi Driver, from 1976. We also threw in a recently released movie from the same writer, Paul Schrader, with The Card Counter from this year. Jeremy, what did you think? Hey, guys. I have a question. (laughs) This is going to be good. What is it that makes people think that old movies are good? (laughs) Well, what is it that... Did you feel like these... Do you see why I wanted to watch Taxi Driver now with this movie? Like, you could see the parallel with the two or no? Uh, well, I have a parallel. I don't know if it was the one you you, you knew about because I don't think you'd seen the card counter at the time. Um, what do you mean? Well, I thought they both weren't good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just that they're both. But I mean, in terms of the story, I feel like there there is some similarity. And, and I, I figured there might be some elements because everything Paul Schrader does, uh, who's the screenwriter for both of these, like is... To, to me has like a, a through line and I, I feel like this one even more than I expected because yeah, I hadn't seen the card counter either and I hadn't seen Taxi Driver in, in, in years or not really since I saw it the first time um, and yeah I, I kind of agree with you like I didn't I didn't really enjoy the rewatch um, other than so, it was interesting to watch with the card counter so I just I'm having I know it's you know our own ongoing joke is that I don't I don't like old movies and that's fine. Yeah. I don't I don't think that's a steadfast like guarantee, but I have I will say I feel like the more of these older movies that we watch, the more seeing them now really shines a light on them not being as good as maybe they were thought of at the time or you thought you remembered them being. This movie yeah. was really not that good in my opinion. Like I don't know if I'm I'm just not taking the time to appreciate like maybe in 76 era what you know Scorsese was doing that was different than maybe what other people were doing and like or part of the process I I, I don't know I just feel like especially looking at this and clearly it's been a long time but this <laughs> there's a lot of glaring issues it just seems to me like I, I had a hard time thinking that someone thought this movie was good. And I know that a yeah. lot of people think it's good. So like I get that I'm just not connected. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's aged terribly well. 
Um, and I don't know, Jelani, if you have any first thoughts that you want to you want to share before we get into like particulars of what makes it stand out as something that's supposedly memorable, memorable, uh, and what makes it not very good and in, in it's holding up. Yeah, I think I and. To your point, Brady, I think it might be more of the time of when it came out and what it was trying to say at the time, right? Like, it's, it's again, it's a story of an antihero, and we've gone through this in a couple of dif- different iterations, but we've gotten to the point now where we've even taken that antihero and glorified them into, you know, whether it's Candyman or even, you know, John Wick to a certain extent, like... You know, people who do wrong for the right reasons. And, you know, in the 70s, they were trying to get to that point, but it just comes across as just plotting and slow. And and maybe it's just because we are in a faster-paced society now, and so we need more frenetic action and something to keep our attention a little bit more. But I'm kind of leaning towards your camp, Brady, of, like, what made this good is – I'm going to have to go with maybe this is the first time we saw something like this. And I, I yeah. don't know enough about movie history to say, you know, definitively that this was the first time that you saw a storytelling like this. But Martin, answer this question definitively. What? Oh, his question? Yeah. Please answer this definitively for all to hear. <laughs> for, for everyone. <laughs> what, what makes this movie good? Um, so I think, I think the problem with this movie, and, and that's what was I... Was it the been, racism? Yeah, the absolutely the racism <laughs> or is, the is other big bigotry, and why it, why it doesn't age well. But I think the bigger problem is like this is like to me this is like the birth of like the incel, you know, white nationalist like problem that we have now is like people look at this movie and say that you know they look at Travis Bickle as not an antihero or not as a crazy person that. Uh, that just mur- murdered people and it was going to, you know, an assassination attempt. But they look at him as, yeah, some kind of actual hero, as someone to to look up to and dress up as Halloween. Yeah, some jackass you know? probably dressed up as him as for Halloween. <laughs> I said, for the, <laughs> I sent, uh, I sent Brady a picture of his favorite Channing Tatum dressed up as Travis Bickle for Halloween. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just, I think there's. And 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 yeah, this this viewing, this is really only like I said, my only my second viewing. But I just see it as a huge problem that anyone would would take anything that this character does and look at it as heroic. Which I, I, you know, I, you guys always laugh that I that I jumped right to the end. But I mean, I think that's I think that's kind of where I want to start. Is what did you guys? How did you interpret the the ending? Like, what do you do? You think Travis Bickle? Is, well, I think the ending. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. It's just what I do. The ending, I think, is actually spot on for what exactly what you're just saying. The ending does, in my opinion, almost glamorize it. Gla- great, glamorize it and paint him out to potentially not that he is a hero, but that he's being looked at as a hero by people. In this situation, it's Jodie Foster's uh, character's parents, parents yeah. but like. No matter, it's almost like a no matter what you do, no matter how bad it is, there are people who are going to like what you're doing, and and yeah, make you a and, and feel like you're a hero, and that does hold up. But my question is, did is that real? Did he die? And is that just his fantasy? Oh, I did not take it as that, but you didn't take it. I, I absolutely took it as that, hmm. and I don't think I did the first time I watched it. I remember, I remember in high school watching it and being like. 
wait, what the hell? He's a hero for doing that? And then this time around watching it, I'm like, no, he. there's no way. He absolutely is dead. And that's just him seeing um, her in the cab and the the, the writing of the uh, the way the letter was just written from from his dad. Um, I'm sorry, from Iris's dad. Like seems like just the way Travis Bickle talks. Like I think he absolutely died on that couch. And this is just the way he sees that the world is going to see what he did. Hmm. Um, Jelani? So I disagree. I don't think he died. I think he was injured. He was in the coma. He wakes up from it, and he realizes that the, all the pain and anger and everything that he had been feeling was satisfied. Like his his thirst was quenched by taking out Harvey Keitel and all the people that were terrorizing Iris. And then when Sybil Shepard gets in his cab and you know, he drives her wherever and she's trying to like say, oh yeah, I saw what you did and you know, you're heroic or whatever. He's like, yeah, I don't need your gratification. I don't need your attention anymore because I've been satisfied by what I was accomplished and what I went through. And so I don't buy that at all. No, now I'm, now I'm, now I'm on you're team in Martin's dream. camp. Yeah. Team dream. I think for sure. I mean, there's no, a, there's no way. Um, yes. Well, first of all, I would say there's no way the Sybil Shepherd, by the way, really hot young woman right um, smoke right uh very very i was like i was telling mary about this tonight i'm like you could totally see she didn't actually change a ton like actually it makes me think like she probably hasn't had any work done it feels like you can very much see the progression and um but she was very very beautiful as a young actress um and yeah at whatever 20 35 years ago um yeah now thinking about it like Team dream all the way here. I, I It does make – I just didn't – I think I was just so annoyed with the movie. I just wanted it to be over <laughs> that I wasn't really trying to think about, like, uh, you know, maybe different potential ways that you could see sure. how things were playing out. But, yeah, I can get there yeah, actually pretty easily right now. He lost her for sure. I mean, yeah. take her into a porn movie. Like, there's she, – she's like, I shouldn't be here. Yeah. She knew it was a mistake. Other couples like, right, come here. Right then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you almost feel sorry for him in the sense that what a dope, like what an idiot for even thinking. Well, he was, was literally a good he idea. was an idiot. I mean, he he yeah. was uh, yeah. he was slow. Work. He's not a smart man. Right. Yeah, he's not 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 a smart man. So so let's put it that way. But like, yeah, he he almost had this 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 shot with her, and he totally blew it. There's no way she's coming back, even after she you know would have read about him or whatever. There's no way she gets in the cabin. There's no way it, it works out that way. That he's like too cool to yeah. to let let her back in um yeah. it, it really just all seems like a like a fantasy and and also on top of what you said like saving iris like iris didn't want to be saved the jodie foster's character like right she was very wi- eyes wide open doing what she didn't go she, back to, she didn't go home and go back to school and make everything right, right. yeah right like that's not that would never Johnny, happen after come on over either. team dream we got a spot yeah i i think you guys might have a point there <laughs> <laughs> you know the only thing that i would I was going to, you know, that you're going to blow up the spot with is that if it is a dream, why is there a Charles Bronson film at the end? In the end credits, he drives past a billboard and then some film starring Charles Bronson. Like, that's nobody's Oh, really? That's a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that, yeah. I mean, it does seem to, like, move away from the the dream-like 
you know, like, I mean, her hair in the back of that cab, she, like you said, she looked great, right? Like she, her hair was flowing, like in the wind. It was very, you know, the music, the, the music was terrible too, right? Yeah. That, what was going on? So I have a note that of that. Sex like, the or sex. Whatever it was. They're like, I, I, I was like, sex. is that jazz? I'm not sure. Like I had a note of that. Um, it, it really kind of blew my mind. I was like, the, the, I just couldn't, the score did not make sense to me throughout. It almost made me question if he knew what kind of movie he was making. And that was, they, it was nominated for best original score. But again, I mean, that's it's you, the 70s. I, I really do think that the 70s were not very good in, in like all the movies that you'll go back to and be like, these are the best movies of the 70s. Like they were really like, it really seeded a lot of better work to come. I think. I think as we're going to look at it, you know, like the, the, the early Scorsese, David David Lynch stuff. Like, it really influenced maybe a lot of the Tarantinos and Denny Villeneuve's. You know, some of our favorite and Christopher Nolan's favorite directors now. Um, even maybe like Steven Spielberg, like more into the eighties. Yeah, um, maybe it was influenced by some of that. But like, yeah, I just feel like the seventies weren't that great. I have a question. So yeah, Paul Schrader wrote the story right yeah and then did he also do the screenplay uh yeah i believe okay. i believe so so i'm just check it, i'm curious like i'd like to know like sitting down with uh, a team that's you know three different people like somebody wrote the story then somebody wrote the screenplay then somebody wrote or directed it if that's truly the vision that they thought they were going into it you know when when you come up with a story like is this exactly how you saw it playing out or you mean like do they have like creative control or do you think is it like hey i wrote it now it's for you to make it and then you're either going to like it or dislike it right like kind of hey i wrote this story i have an idea in my head of what it should be like how it should be played out but then you hand it to you know scorsese and then he turns it into this and you know ultimately like is this something that you wanted like you know we talked well, about how stephen king didn't love how what stanley kubrick did to the, the shining, shining yeah right yeah but like something like this is like is that really what you were going for or were you going for something different and i i think it, well considering they're still friends i'd say uh they must have yeah. been they must have not hated it but also it it despite my criticisms 35 years later it did well, or wait, is it longer? How far? How long? Fifty-five years later. <laughs> I got. I swear, my math is good sometimes. Forty-six years. Forty-five. Forty-six. Forty-five. Yeah. 45, 46, 45, yeah. Uh, Forty-five years. The. Clearly, there's a relationship there between them. Um, as yeah, I mean, they've done like five other movies. I mean, Scorsese uh, produced the Card Counter that we're going to talk about in a little bit. So, I mean, yeah. they're to this day they're still they have a good relationship. I would say to, I think, and and actually, you could use the Stephen King reference that you brought up earlier. It is a little bit of I did my job. Now you do yours. You can then dislike it. Um, but I don't think, barring a really good relationship throughout, that they're gonna let the writers gonna be able to say like, whoa, 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 this is not how I envisioned this playing out. I think it's it's a handoff. Yeah, yeah I wrote he's, it. He's the screenwriter. He's a screenwriter. Paul Schrader's the screenwriter. So he didn't like when you say the story. It's not like it's based on a book. So yeah, I think their their partnership is one of the bigger better ones in all of film like they they yeah they did taxi driver raging bull the last temptation of christ bringing out the dead and i might even be missing one, one or two but like you said card counter they there's some production stuff that they do together so so yeah i i think they they probably work really well together i don't think martin scorsese like you could see some of his 
you know, like the overhead shot at the end. You could you could maybe see some of his, his signature stuff um, here. What or, became or his signature on. stuff? Yeah, yeah, maybe what became some of his signature things, and the you know obviously the violence, which which might have been a, a lot for the time but it, it didn't it seemed pretty mild to me you know yeah watching it now and i'm sure for you guys too but but yeah i think they're they were both probably pretty happy with the with the outcome but but again i think the biggest thing for me is the missed meaning of this movie like you should look at this movie as a warning sign of where we are now with again white nationalist in incel youth in, in america and uh and i don't think people listened i think they took it the wrong way i think they took it as yeah this is a cool this is a cool guy that i want to want to portray on halloween exactly like, i just think that's a that's a huge miss and I, I look at this movie as a as a yeah as a warning sign and a very different way very different lens in 2020 i have a hard time believing that it might be a lack of recent watching it recently like i get it watching it for the first time in 2021 it's going to be pretty glaring to some to you as it was for me that like oh it's like oh super racist uh oh super bigoted uh oh there, like, to your point martin there's a lot of that you can get there you know you can correlate a lot of that ideology a lot of that either hero anti-hero whatever you want to describe i think that you could see people still being like "Ooh, i love taxi driver when's the last time you saw it 20 years ago yeah I don't know if you remember it like you think you do. Like if you yeah. rewatch it, you might change your mind. And I, I, I maybe that's uh, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse that you know a lot of these older movies I am watching for the first time. It would seem like oh I should have seen Taxi Driver by now. I re- and I you know I knew the I know the quotes. I know the you talking to me, you know that everyone. And I, I don't want to say that I think De Niro did a bad job. I don't know that it was overly. Yeah, I remember being underwhelmed at that in high school too. I was like, that's the whole like. That's the whole thing. Like I remember watching an episode of Roseanne where uh, John Goodman was like doing. He did an imitation. He's like, "I'm doing the the you talking to me," and you know he did it great, and everyone was laughing and loving it. And I'm like, "Well, I got to watch this movie. I got to see. I got to see what he's talking about. I got to see this you talking to me line." And then it was just like that, you know, a a minute or so on screen of that, and I'm like, "Oh, that's it. That's the whole thing." You know, yeah, I I didn't expect necessarily think I wasn't that impressed with De Niro. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I. I just don't think there's a lot there in that movie. I just didn't see it. I over and over again. I was just like, yeah, I just don't. It felt like it was jumping fast. It was like his his whole progression, you know, getting to the extreme that he did, felt like it was really fast. Like, I guess the girl re- rejected him was supposed to be the catalyst. It just didn't feel like that totally fit. It was more like an idea that was a little underdeveloped. I don't know. I I just really felt like this is a there's a lot of misses in this movie and I have I just don't I don't get it. I don't get the allure. And it's also, I mean, now it's famous because it did end up like the guy who shot Reagan, Hinkley, I want to say his name was. John Hinkley. And who, who gives a shit? Yeah, John Hinkley, but who gives a shit cuz I don't want to give give him any more notoriety <laughs> than he already has, but but yeah, he quote he like used this movie as an and like he tried to like do it to impress like Jodie Foster. Foster, like literally yeah. Jodie yeah. Foster because because of uh taxi driver so it's again it's one of those like weird you know life imitates art or whatever stupidly inspirational yeah Yeah. exactly so you know there's there's that whole thing that will you know kind of make this movie infamous for for a long time do you think people are going to come for scorsese because of the the bigotry and the racism that he kind of just put in his films 
they would have already, by the way, like this isn't like a buried movie. Yeah. I'm just curious because I know like Denzel Washington. Yeah, the cancel culture is big. Yeah. Yeah. Denzel Washington came after Quentin Tarantino when Quentin was rewriting some of the stuff for Crimson Tide. There's a big story about that. Like he like pulled him aside and was like, Listen, you can't be dropping the N word just whenever you want. Like I think that's the interesting part is that Scorsese it's not only that he put it in it's in the movie, it's that he actually says (laughs) it. He says it. Right. I definitely did not realize that that was Scorsese when I was in high, in high school, but now you know I remember that scene, though, too. That's actually his second scene in the movie. Yeah. Did you see him earlier, too? He's just sitting on the stoop. He's sitting by the yeah, walks I by. I noticed him, too. I thought that was just his like Hitchcock cameo. Yeah. I put, that's my note. I put a note in, and I was like, does, does Scorsese just – does he appear in all of his movies, and I've never realized it? And then he actually had a full-on scene that, like – yeah, to your point, Jelani, he decided to just go. He decided to bring the racism for for you know first handed. But Quentin Tarantino does the same thing, right? In Pulp right. Fiction, he's I'm the not. one who says, "Yeah, yeah." And and then in in Jackie Jackie Brown, I think they counted how many times. I, I mean, it was Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, Jackie Brown's pretty good, but Samuel Jackson, I think, says it every other word. Like, but uh, they were talking about it back then too, because. You're right. Because obviously he wrote it. Right. Because he obviously yeah. write. Right. He writes it in there. He directs it, and he's just like, yeah. Because Jackson's just like, yeah, I'll read what you what you give me. Right. But, but yeah, in, yeah, in Pulp Fiction is is pretty like prominent when he's like, do you see a sign on my house that says dead storage? Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, you can't be saying that. Scorsese and and Tarantino. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I'm I'm not all about canceling people stuff that people did 45 years ago. Right. Like. It depends how they look at it now, and depends depends on their intentions, even even back then or even now, and what they say about it now. Like I think you can, I think you could find a way if if they're all just defensive about it and and you know just say oh that was the time and that's how everyone talks and whatever and I don't care. Then I feel like yeah, you maybe you deserve to be canceled. But if you can if you can take the criticism, take the feedback, and give a honest kind of response or at least one that people feel is honest that's uh that's showing that you're trying to grow i think i think that's okay that that's but the path whatever it's not it's not for me to decide really so yeah and i i didn't look at it i i would just say jelani like i said i think it look it'd be great if we're we brought this to light and we are if we cancel scorsese then we probably <laughs> We, maybe we did. We are. Did we succeed? I'm really not sure what the answer is there, but I, I think that would have happened already. I don't right. think we, re, you know, we found gold here when we discovered that uh, Mark Scorsese has some racist lines in uh, his movie from '76. I was definitely surprised. I'm. Su- I'll try to thread the needle here. I don't know. I gotta think that Martin. I think you you touched on it. I think that the argument would be that at the time it was representative of like the life and culture in New York. Uh, That's my guess that that's, that would be the explanation. Um, Not justifying it, but just saying that like, I'm guessing that that was the reason behind it. Again, it's Paul Schrader's words. So yeah. And looking at it from, 35 45 i don't know why i can't do math fucking crazy um (laughs) looking at it now from where we are it is almost weird that someone hasn't made a huge fuss about that but yeah i I have a hard time believing i I thought about well i i thought about it too with 
um, again, with straighter writing it, like, is that why he wrote and cast Tiffany Haddish in this to try to be like, I don't know, some, um, I don't know, reconciliation. I don't know what the word is, but like some try to make some, amends for it. Yeah. Try to make amends a little bit for it and, and say, Hey, if I'm, if I was to write this movie now, I will at least, at least have show some representation and another character. Well, he like had that, representation. But, I don't know. There was plenty of African-American scary yeah, looking the guys guy. in the, uh, <laughs> that were staring down Bickle at the cafe or wherever they were. Yeah. They were yeah. very. He made them very menacing and <laughs> very yeah, or or robbing the liquor store. They get shot. Yeah, the liquor beat store, with yeah. a crowbar. Or yeah, that was a pipe. It was that was hard to watch, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, T- but yeah, taste- again, I don't know if that if that's part of what what he was thinking in doing that or or you know he's forced to. But you know who knows. I will say, to a degree, Albert Brooks is almost unrecognizable. <laughs> Yes, agreed. I, I still like Albert Brooks. He's funny, man. He, he, was funny he didn't too, even sound like him. Like it's maybe it's because I'm actively like two nights before I'm watching Albert Brooks on In Curb. curb. It's yeah, currently. So yeah. talk about someone who's spanned thirty five years or forty five years without you know, and still, but he doesn't have the. I literally, I was like, Mary walked to the room, like, tell me who you think that is, and she's like, uh, I don't know, and I was like, Albert Brooks, and then she's like, who's that? <laughs> And then I was like, um, <laughs> Nemo's dad. <laughs> I was trying to uh, trying to give her something. She's like, oh, okay. Um, you might know him by his real name, Albert <laughs> Einstein. <laughs> you know he's Super, Super Dave's brother? That their brother? I knew there was brothers. a correlation there. I just didn't know what yeah, it was. They're both Einsteins. They're right. Dave Einstein and Albert gotcha. Einstein. He changed it for obvious reasons. <laughs> Bob Einstein. Bob. Oh, Bob. Did I say Dave? Oh, yeah, Super Dave is... Yeah, sorry. I think he didn't quite have the the sound of his voice wasn't there in this movie, in my opinion. Well, and that's the problem. I think the problem was because he has to be the straight man in this movie. straight man for sure. And typically, he's the neurotic one. He's the one that's always over. You know, uh, when we watched uh, Out of Sight, you remember he was the one that's always you know worried and trying to adjust and be like nervous or whatever. And you couldn't do that with the way that Travis Bickle was in this. So. Yeah, it it does kind of mute his Albert Brooksiness. I don't know. I thought I thought he still shined through, like being himself. You know, just when he was like blurting out, like "I love you." <laughs> there was like and... a, there was like one or two little sly moments, but it was very small. And I honestly, yeah. I think small enough that some people might miss it. And I and mm-hmm. that to me is a failure. It should have been. There's a middle ground there that, like, it should. It could still be that comment, but it should, like, everyone in the room should catch it and think it's funny. And I don't think that that actually happened. You're right. I had a theory on Bickle not being able to sleep. We got a glimpse of his breakfast diet at one point, and he was putting syrup and sugar on what I presume to be milk toast and like drinking a like Coca Cola bread, right? Yeah, yeah milk, milk, <laughs> milk and bread, which uh, I grew up hearing stories of milk toast from my dad about, you know, because he grew up poor. And uh, yeah. and he would talk about how they used to eat milk toast for, for breakfast. And oh, yeah, my parents have made it just like <laughs> like French crusty bread and, and warm milk. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've heard about it. So I think Bickle was essentially maybe he didn't even get to the toasted part. Maybe it was just but it was syrup and sugar on milky bread. Yeah. First of all, yum. But also, uh, and then he was like drinking Coca Cola after his twelve hour shift. I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. I get, I you know, I personally can't sleep well, but I also am not. Uh, I'm not in 
ingesting every possible form of uh, caffeine and, and sugar. <laughs> Jody Foster did it too. She I put like just sugar say, on her jelly, right? Yeah. She did the same thing when she had her toast, and then she pours sugar over it, and then made the sandwich. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's a lot of sugar right there, but you do you. I don't know what that jelly was. And but sugar. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of like? The other characters, the other like known actors that we see, like the the Peter Boyle and the Harvey Keitel, like was this Harvey Keitel's jumping off point or yes, no, he what, no, um, was it? yeah, but he he this, he was in this Mean Streets. This is what he streets. blew up. I thought this, was, but okay, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. He was in Mean Streets with uh, with um, Scorsese and De Niro. Um, he was the main the main character in that. Oh. Um, maybe like a year or two before before this. Um, but yeah, I mean for sure he got to start with with Scorsese. So yeah, okay. Hmm. I was thinking. I thought this was it, but okay, my bad, my yeah, bad. His with his with his coke finger. Did you see his coke pinky? Oh yeah, <laughs> painted red. You made me miss that. And yeah, just him as a pimp was 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 kind of funny. <laughs> In hindsight, you know, maybe maybe yeah. Again, at Peter the time. Bo- Peter Boyle. Um, was he ever young, or did he uh, ever have hair? <laughs> I don't think he ever had hair. Yeah, he didn't. Easy to see how he got to where he got it, <laughs> based off what he looked like at seventy six. But it does have, I mean, yeah, I mean, it has a cast. I mean, obviously, this Jodie Foster, you know, she got a lot of acclaim at the time for being, you know, a young actress in this. You know, she was, she's gone on to have, you know, a very established career. So, yeah, she was only like fifteen or yeah, and she got a 16, best actress or I... best supporting actress nomination. Oh, you did it. Who else? What else? Yeah, who else? Skull got nominated with this. Uh, well, the, it was up for best picture, and then De Niro was up as well. Network, or excuse me, Rocky won for best picture, but Network was Network was the winner for a bunch of stuff. Like supporting actress award went to Beatrice Strait for Network. Um, best uh-huh. actress that year went to Faye Dunaway for Network. Have you guys seen Network? It's pretty good. I feel like it, I did a long time ago, but I don't you remember. Off, Brady. It's the I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah. thing. That's Peter yeah. Finch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won, and he won Best Actor that year. Yeah. Speaking of, Over speaking of that, uh, speaking of out of sight, he mentions him in that, doesn't he? What's that movie? Peter Finch. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it. When he's talking <laughs> to her in the trunk. Sorry, I remember these things. <laughs> Isn't that kind of the same? To, just to divert, but network that whole mad as hell not going to take it. Isn't that kind of like Tom Wilkinson's character in uh, Michael Clayton, where he just like snaps and he just like goes off and starts yeah. telling everybody like this is what's going on this is what we're doing yeah, yeah. except except yeah he's a broadcast he's a newscaster and they, they start you know he just goes on to nightly news and everyone tunes in to see what he's going to say next kind of a thing yep because off the rails yeah there it, you go and i'm just going to guess that it's on a network <laughs> writes itself <laughs> i mean it was yeah it was uh it was a good movie. Again, I haven't seen it in years. I wonder if it would, it would, if it would hold up. But I'm not going to recommend. I'm going to try not to recommend too many old movies for you, Brady. But I still I think don't, it's a good idea to, to I don't, just to get I, them get them done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I totally actually agree with you because honestly, I'd rather be able to say outright that like, yeah, I saw it and I didn't like it. I saw it. Yeah. For, maybe I saw it 40 years too late. I mean, that's good. I would have been one. But it. I just there is. It's been pretty consistent that like watching a lot of these are like very few of them seem to hold up. And I don't know what that says. <laughs> <laughs> if we move into the card counter, like what do you to me this seems like uh Paul Schrader like for sure trying to either tell like a flip side of the same story or like update the story for for yeah, 40 years later. 45 years later. Um, but I don't know if you guys read it that way. And I watched the card counter first 
um, and then went back to watch Taxi Driver. I don't As know which I. order you guys watched. As yeah, watched it Same here. But it just seemed like the, you know, the parallels of Oscar Isaac trying to save Ty Sheridan's character you know, and, and do things for him was, is, was exactly like Travis Bickle trying to save Iris or Jodie Foster's character. I think in this one, in the card counter, I felt like it was a little bit more focused than in Taxi Driver, right? Like Taxi Driver, he was just like, the whole city's garbage. It needs to be washed away, flush it down the toilet. At least in the card counter, it was like, hey, there's one person that ruined our lives and we can go exact revenge on that individual. You know, I'm served time in prison for what I've done because of that person. You know, I tried to move on with my life and then he pops back up in my life and is ruining somebody else's life. So maybe I can help that other individual. So at that point, I felt like, okay, this is, it's not just a blanket like, hey, I'm going to terrorize everybody and, and, you know, a wide group of people are going to feel my wrath. It was one person, one focus, and and then it was just more of like a revenge film at that point. Well, I think, yeah, exactly. I think that's the difference. They're, they're different characters, right? Like Oscar Isaac, he he doesn't feel like he the world owes him anything, right? Like he's not he he's di- he's done his time. He feels that he should have been punished for the things that he did. He doesn't necessarily blame Willem Dafoe's character for. Um, for, I mean, he he does obviously, but he more blames him for for killing killing the kid, right? Than than he does for what he trained him to do because he's like, I was I was culpable in what what I did, and I did my time, and I actually, you know, the whole kind of arc of the movie is that he starts off in prison and ends up in prison, right? He says, I didn't think I would like prison life, but it turns out I it turns out I'm suited for it. it turns out I'm good for it, you know. Whereas Tra- yeah, Travis Bickle's character, like he's he's still fighting his his demons or whatever, you know, with what happened to him in war. And, you know, we're not, we're not sure if there's, if he's an unreliable narrator, like what he actually went through, if he, if he actually has PTSD from the war or for something else, but, but he's, he's clearly angry about a lot of things and doesn't feel like, like he feels like he's owed more things than I think Oscar Isaac's character. I had a, uh, I had a momentary with, with the timing of the movie and I had a momentary like time is a flat circle vibe. Um, I was like, <laughs> wait, is this like a loop? Is he in? Am I supposed to think that he is in prison at the end and that is the beginning? It could, yeah, it could be like he was talking and, about it, right? And or, right, like I was like, is this like the causality of him going to prison and then he gets out? But like, it, there, there's, there's, there's too many holes there, but. You know, in terms no, yeah, of like, he went, yeah, he went twice. But I, right. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely had that where it was like, oh, is this? Wait, did he start in prison and he is back, or is he like this is like a time flip and he, this is how he ended up in prison? Um, it, but yeah, again, there was just, there was a little bit of. Uh, I think that's. I think it's clear that that's not what happened. But there was a right. moment where I was like, oh no, okay, no, that didn't happen. But um, yeah, I. Was there a good explanation that I just completely was oblivious to the, about why he covers everything in the hotel room? I no. I my initial thought was just that he's kind of like he's kind of OCD about that for whatever reason. Like he maybe he got used to things kind of being a certain way in prison. Not that he was able to cover things up in prison, but something about just just being 
just wanting everything to be uniform in the the same way. A little bit of a yeah, some kind of OCD. So like, like clearly, yeah, I, I know I said that he he might not be uh, not be as crazy as Travis Pickle, but I think there, there's obviously some. I mean, that was weird. Some issues that he's working with, yeah. And I think I think that was only supposed to say that, but I don't know if like it ever, you know, at, at least in the movie, I don't think there's any other clues other the other than. Yeah, he might. It, it might just be something that he's he's struggling with from an OCD kind of perspective. Okay, fair. Um, what do you think of the cast? Tiffany Haddish. I thought she I like was her. good, um, and I, I'd say maybe out of the out of the norm. Maybe not what you fully expect. She's. I feel like she's kind of just toned down. Um, and yeah, like she's I, really good in comedy things. Yeah, and right? I think and this works. So I thought, but I don't. Yeah. I don't think she did a bad job in in being toned down and in being in a more serious role um i think we talked about it last week oscar isaac i'm a fan i think he was good i don't know i just don't think i thought the movie was that good agreed so i i don't know if i should hold that against him since it's primarily him or if it's just a bad no i I think i I think it's the writing yeah, I mean, there's, seen, there's a, a thank you. I was like, there's a theory in my head that it's. Uh, I don't think Paul Schrader's that good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was. I, that's what when we were talking about doing this movie. That's why I was kind of worried because I'm like, I don't know how good it's gonna be because I watched First Reformed um, uh, a couple years ago with um, uh, what's his name, Ethan Hawke, and oh, it was like a priest. really, yeah, he's a priest. Yeah, it's like the First Reformed Church is what it is, and so uh, clearly there's a there's. I guess there's not much themes of religion and, and everything does, but it, it feels like there's an undertone of some kind of religious stuff and everything Paul Schrader does. But anyway, I didn't really love First Reformed, um, and I didn't understand the ending at all. Um, so I kind of expected a little bit more of that, like where the where where this one was going to be, just not exactly like it's. It seems like he has like a type of character that he writes, and you know, someone struggling with a lot of things inside and a lot of like inner uh, inner turmoil, inner monologue type things, which yes, yeah, just isn't really my thing but but yeah i mean people seem to keep giving him opportunities to make movies and and they want to work with him and and there's like a legendary aspect to it where i think oscar isaac's like yeah of course i'm going to take this opportunity and yeah i think he did really well with the material that was presented to him it's just not you know it comes as a surprise to you but yeah it's not for me either like this isn't none of these movies first reformed um is the this, card counter or taxi driver are really my, my is thing. this uh this is gonna seem like something to throw it all into question, is this our first episode where no one liked either of the movies that we did? <laughs> Quite possibly, Maybe. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, again, I'll, I'll you're gonna I'll give, you're gonna hang on to a glimmer of Taxi Driver of, of Taxi Driver, yeah, for sure. Just just for if for nothing else, that it gi- yeah give, gives us um, Harvey Keitel, Robert De Niro, Scorsese, um, and and just this. I, I think we don't end up with. Um, Joker, if there's no taxi driver, you know, which I don't know if you guys have even seen yet. No, I haven't. And yet. yeah, and I, I th- actually I want to kind of do it next week, but that might be might be too soon. I've um, actually wanted, I've been a, wanting to watch it since it came out. I just have for whatever reason haven't. Yeah, I like two or three different occasions. I was like, I might watch this, and I was like, I just don't know if I have that. That's what I'm into right now. And right, I like yeah, walks myself away from it. Exactly. Yeah, you got you got to kind of be in the mood to go to a dark, I dark think place for that's it. But real, I think that's an interesting point, and in maybe looking at movies like Taxi Driver and or I'm sure there's another there's a handful of other examples we could pull out that like that they are a means to an end. You know, they are a means to other better movies being made 
that mm-hmm. open doors. Be, this will yeah, be open be doors. Built yeah. off of the the backbone of these, the structure of these movies from the seventies, eighties, nineties, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a good way to look at it. I just think, you know, for years, and I don't know why I never got around to watching it. I just think for years, it's like I've known that Taxi Driver was like this movie. You know, they're like, oh yeah, you got to see Taxi Driver. It's great, and. I don't know. Maybe if I watch it in 95, I'm I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. I don't know. It's definitely possible. But I'll tell you what. Watching it in 2021, it ain't yeah. good. Yeah. I probably watched it about 95, 96. And yeah. I, again, didn't didn't love it. Didn't go right back to it. But I, I was just, again, going through being a completist and trying to watch every Scorsese movie I could rent at Family Video at the time. So, <laughs> Did you take Sybil Shepard into the back with you? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Jelani, out of nowhere. We all know what goes on at a family video, Martin. <laughs> Is that where Bickle was when he was uh, getting the jujubes and the hot dog or the popcorn and the RC Cola? The jujubes, they last longer. Give me those. Shout out to RC Cola. I know. I do love I do love a Royal Crown. Oh, Cola. good deal. I do drink a Royal Crown now, and I've been off pop for a while. All for $1.85. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> notice that too. He was cleaning yeah, house. Some of these prices. <laughs> the darkness, like you said, Brady, going to the dark places for these movies just isn't, you know, what I guess we want to go to now in 2021. And you know, maybe back then people were more apt to see like a side that they didn't see. But I think with today, you have so many different viewpoints and so many different um outlets for people to voice their opinions that you hear so much of this and you're just like ah i don't need to continue to to see it and i wouldn't say that for all of these movies from you know the 70s and stuff like that because i think there's a handful of good ones um some steve mcqueen type movies or movies starring steve mcqueen are are some of my Mm -hmm. favorites from back then um and yeah they they may have like a dark theme or something behind it but you know, he is able to put a little bit more of a charisma into it and maybe give you a little bit better feel for it. So, you know, overall with the card counter, I didn't love it. Uh, even when we finished, Jen was like, so what'd you think? And I'm like, it was fine. That My mind wasn't blown by it. You know, I was kind of upset that they didn't finish out the poker. Like, did he come in second? Did he know, right? lose? He just left the table. Now does he owe Tiffany Haddish money, and is she going to go break his legs when he gets out of prison? Like, what what happened there? But she clearly understands him and loves him, and they, you know, touch touch fingers through the glass. They eat it. <laughs> Neat. Yeah, they eat it. Yeah, I know that wasn't that was a little a little strange as well. I don't I don't know, like I don't know the the symbolism or whatever it's supposed to be. Like, I don't think it's I don't think I missed it, but I just don't think it's that powerful in uh, now, right? Like. You know what's funny is if I think had I seen uh, Taxi Driver before, I rec- I would probably not have recommended that we watch the card counter. <laughs> I know, I know, I got you, I got you. <laughs> you know, look, I'm I'm all for I'm all for it, even if it's not always good. And for me, this wasn't that good of a week in terms of movie watching. But outside of that, I had a good week, so it's all good. Um, it, it was just. I will be interested if and when there is a time in my life that I run into someone who is telling me that they think Taxi Driver is good. Because did you, ask, did you ask your dad about it? Perhaps what has your dad ever seen it? Um, 
I'll have to ask him. I'll see him. I'll see him this weekend, yeah. actually. So yeah, I ask will. Him. Uh, I'd be curious if he. Uh, I'll ask him. I would bet that it hasn't been recent. He actually. He's big on. He he tries to watch a lot of movies, um, but I don't think he necessarily goes back to a lot of movies. Yeah. He's gonna be like, yeah, I love Taxi Driver and Death Wish. They're my favorite movies. <laughs> I son. remember. You're I gonna think, be like, no, Dad. Yeah, I think <laughs> if you remember, I think I asked him about Death Wish, and he like vaguely remembered it, but like yeah. not. Not by any means well. But I yeah, I will. I'll definitely ask him about Taxi Driver. It'll be a uh it could put an end to the weekend real fast. It's a good litmus <laughs> test, right? <laughs> right when he walks in. All right, right out of the gate. Did you like Taxi Driver? Get out. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. We are three guys that value our listeners more than any other podcast on the planet. So please keep listening. Also, if you want to feel like you're dialed into our social, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks, and go to bed. Bye.